Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today, because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. We've had a complete washout uh, for the show today. Damien is on the line here. So Cheddar has gone AWOL. I'm not sure where he is. And Kevin Martin just pulled out for an interview 20 minutes ago. And earlier this morning, Michael Carton pulled out as well. So Damien, you're saving the show. Thanks very much. Yeah, as I say, Colin, back to the two-man full forward line, the two old reliables. Let's <laughs> so get, get, get the ball into it any way at all and we'll do something in it. Yeah, we'll listen. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll be here anyways. So Warren Kavanagh, he is the Wicklow hurling captain. He's not happy um, about the league final this weekend, Damien. So he's tweeted uh, the GEA Twitter account. He said, when it comes to the football, every division's league final is in Croke Park. You should really consider the hurling teams when choosing where the league finals will be. Why not give us weaker counties, especially our supporters, a well-deserved day out in Croker? Um, I'm not too sure what to think about this. So the National Hurling League Division 2A final, Westmead versus Kerry's in Cusick Park in Ennis on Sunday at 2. The 2B final between Derry and Wicklow's in Inneskeen in Monaghan. Not exactly a hurling stronghold. You have the Division 3A final between Roscommon and Armagh in Park Talton in Mead. And you have the Division 3B final, Sligo and Longford in the Connacht GA Centre. What do you think about of this, Damien? Do you think they have a point? Or do you think, like, I mean, there's four games. Like, you have to spread them out right throughout the day. There'll be nobody in Croke Park. It's almost like the GA are damned if they do and damned if they don't. They're often blamed for having games in an empty Croke Park and people say go to regional grounds and then they go to regional grounds with when they know matches won't be attended well and they're being, you know, criticised for not having them in Crow Park. Yeah, well, no, I, my opinion is I would agree with him. 
been, been straight up. I think they, they deserve their day in the sun as well. I think they train as hard and sometimes maybe even harder uh, than some of the senior counties. You know, it might be their hurling strongholds, you know, but I, I think they deserve their day in Crow Park. I think in finals should all be brought together, have it a day long, nearly like the Camogie All-Ireland where you have the, the three or four uh, All-Ireland matches uh, on the day. And as the man said, it gives a, a player his opportunity to play in Crow Park, gets him to bring his family, his friends, his mother and father, all that sort of stuff up to Crow Park, and they get their day in the sun. So uh, you're asking, in my opinion, I think them games should be on in Crow Park. Uh, OK, it won't be a full house, but it still gives them players the opportunity to play in Croker, you know, and... And that's what they've been training for, and they deserve their day in the sun. So yeah, I think it should be in Crow Park. Yeah, and I suppose, like, I mean, he has a point on the football. Division three and four are in Croke Park um, on the Saturday before the two Division two and Division one finals are on the Sunday, and they're very badly supported as well. So, like, I mean, when you, he does have a point when the football is there, why can't the hurling be there? Yeah, well, they don't they don't treat them the same, you know. And as I said, just because maybe they're the weaker uh, hurling counties that they don't get to play in Crow Park where the other, in the, when it comes to football, they do. You know, and did you say there's four finals on uh, all over the country in different divisions? Is that right? Yeah. That what you said? Yeah, like, why couldn't they get, bring them, them, we'll say the eight counties, up to Crow Park and just give them the opportunity to play in Crow Park? It could, it could be, you know, the greatest hurling day for one individual player to say that was the highlight of his career that he got to play a final in Crow Park and maybe even win in Crow Park, you know, so yeah. I just don't. So, sometimes, you know, common sense goes a long way, but uh, like, jeez, would, would it have killed him to push the matches in Crow Park? Like, they're putting concerts up there and all that, but I, it, should, it should be on in Crow Park. I'll say it's out. I, I would have said they should get their day in the sun and, and they deserve it. Them players, them players make as much sacrifices as the Galways, the Clares, the Limericks, the Kikini. So, yeah, it should have been played in Crow Park. I agree with them. So Joe Quaid is on the same wavelength. Now, Joe Quaid's obviously the Westmead manager now. He's a Limerick man. As we all know, he's a friend of the show. He said, you'd like to see more hurling played there. He's talking about Croke Park. I've nothing against Ennis. I would like to think both. Te- I would like to think it suits both teams, but we're denying the teams the chance to get a, to play a final um, in Croke Park, like the footballers. Now, the question I have on this, Damien, is why is there no kind of uproar about this? Like, I mean, I criticise hurling pundits a lot for never rocking the boat, always saying everything's rosy in the garden, the game is great, when the reality is there's only eight serious, nine, ten at the nine probably serious counties. And other counties are falling away, trying their best on minimal resources. They don't get to Croke Park. But outside of the teams themselves, nobody gives a shit. Like, let's be honest, you're from Galway, one of the big counties. Do you give a shit that the weaker counties aren't getting any better? Well, it's not that you don't, you don't care. Obviously, you care. But like, it's up to them to have to go fight it and to make sure. But like, they're on about hurling pundits will say that Aaron come out and saying why isn't it? Like, I suppose you're right. We should be, you know. But the whole thing is, you don't want to be putting your name in lights and getting your name exposed controversially, you know. And that's that's I think the main reason behind it. But Colin, you asked a simple question: was should the games be on in Crow Park? And the answer is they should, right? You know. And the, I think it's very unfair that there are four games, like even if there was someone that wanted to go to the games, like, so there are nearly four different sides of the county. But also the whole thing of playing in Crow Park, if them games were in Crow Park this time of year, 
then games would be a lot better standard as well because the ball is moving faster, the ground is harder, the the faster player, the speedier hurler is able to would say really make ground on the hard surface compared to if you were playing in a surrounding league uh, pitches around the country. So, I, my own opinion is yeah, you're right, you're 100 percent right in what you're saying, but. Geez, why didn't they just play the games in Crow Park and win the eight counties up to Crow Park and have, and have their day in the sun? It just doesn't make sense, Colin. Yeah, no, it definitely like they doesn't. Dublin. They would play the Dublin. They, like Dublin, they had a big congress over the Dublin footballers having home games in Crow Park. Yeah. You know, didn't they wear the, technically Dublin's home pitches meant to be Parnell Park? And that was all to do with revenue, all to do with bringing in money, bringing in cabbage. Like, that's... So, like... I, I think the players is all right. I, I couldn't agree more with that guy. Just uh, the tweet, he's a hundred percent right. Yeah, no, well, I'd probably agree with it um, myself, if I'm being honest. Come here, we talked last week about Kieran Donaghy and with the Galway hurlers, and I talked about it Monday as well. So I don't want to dog this. But at the same time, I read something during the week that really made me scratch my head. It was in the 42.ie where Connor Cooney was was being interviewed. But there was a little bit in it where it said, Donaghy indicated that he's been watching some footage of Galway's movement in attack as part of his brief under Donoghue. I couldn't believe that. Like, I mean, we were speculating what a performance coach is. And like Connor Cooney's talking about how, you know, enthusiastic he is about meeting Kieran and seeing what he has to say. And that's all fine. That's grand. You can make an argument of that. But if Donaghy's talking to forwards about movement, like, I mean, I played in the forwards in, in, in football. Uh, I never played hurling. I wouldn't know the first thing about what movement forwards in hurling need based on the fact that the ball travels so far or when do you start your run or where do well, you what, go? What, what, what he means there, Colm, to explain it to anyone that's listening, right, is in football terms, right, and I'll give you a, a great example of this because Amy O'Shea does this with uh, Shamie Cannon, right? Basically, it's yeah, most it's mostly used in a two-man full of forward line, right? Okay, and the, the Gooch Cooper and these boys were always brilliant at right? So basically, just picture Shamie Cannon playing full forward, right? And he's, and he's marking um, Parig Maher, okay? And what he means by this movement is that, for example, the ball is coming in from the, from the half-back line, right? And they take a look up. Shamie Cannon runs straight out. He, he shoves to the right, which he's shoving in, shoving into whoever he's marking, right? Okay, uh, Parik Wash, right? He shoves into him and then he veers to his left. And the space is out on his left where there's 20, 30 yards of space where he's running into open space and the ball is put into that space which makes room for him, but it has to be the perfect ball. I, I've often spoken on the show, it's called a 70-30 ball. And I, if you ask me, I think that's what he's on about, Um regarding movement and the Galway hurlers and all this but like I don't see I, I'm just going to be honest here uh, Colm and say I can't see Michal Dino letting um, Donny in and start speaking to the Galway hurlers about how to create better movement and how to start moving better that's the that's the coach's job I would have like, thought so yeah. Ford, yeah Franny Ford if Franny Ford thought that uh, Donny was coming up to start telling the forwards how to move better and get around the pitch and make more space. Like Franny Ford was a forward himself that played for Galway. Yeah. Was, like, I, th- I think his last game for Galway was in 1996 against Wexford. He was actually the free take on the same day. So he was. But I, I just can't see uh, Donaghy doing anything like that. And even just to go back to Connor Cooney, like, I wouldn't even think Connor Cooney is spending an awful lot of time at the moment with the Galway senior hurlers because he's preparing with St. Thomas's for a club on Ireland. 
So I, I don't see him, you know, in there wondering where all this would have come from. But my own opinion on the whole, uh, Donny, is that he's going to throw out a couple of ideas to the management. I believe he's only going to turn up once a month, if he does that, right? But I had said this last week or the week before, I think a lot of it is for the management to get ideas off Donny for what did he do three weeks leading up to a match? Who did he go to? Where did he go for training camps? Why did he find this place was good? We have a guy here that has a problem with his back or a problem with a hamstring. Who did he go to? You know, what did he do? You know, if there was a certain player getting personal attention, what did he do? Had he a game plan about it? I, I, that's my only opinion. He's been one-to-one talks, all right, with some of the players, but I'd, he's, he's definitely not going to be going through game plan for, uh, of uh, ideas with forward lines. Yeah, no, I was surprised. That's why when I read that, that he's that watching some footage of Galway's movement in attack is part of his brief. I, I, I just couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that. Whatever what does that mean? Just a, qu- just a question. What does that mean, a part of his brief? What does, what, as in looking at Galway's part of his, movement? Part of his role. Part of his role, right. Jeez. Yeah. So, I don't so know. He's gonna, he's gonna go, <clears throat> so, he's going to go down to Michal Dunu and the lads during train sessions and tell them that Conor Whelan isn't moving enough across the field that he should be running at different angles and stuff. Is it? I don't know. That's what I'm asking. That's what yeah, we're trying to I, speculate yeah, here. I'm not I, too sure. Yeah. I, I, I just couldn't see how that's going to even work. But then it's best look to him. Exactly. Right. So, Kevin Martin, um, he was supposed to do an interview today. So, I was just looking, looking at some stuff um, from him here. Now, in Kevin Martin's defence, obviously Offaly have had a really poor injury uh, situation throughout the league. So they've had Shane Dooley injured, they've had Joe Bergen injured, they've had Ben Keneally injured, Ushin Kelly, Connor Mahan, Kieran Kiley and David O'Toole, all starters last year. So it's a huge chunk of their team. Now, the other way of looking at this, Shane Dooley and Joe Bergen, if you're still basing your team around two fellas you won't have in two years' time, you're not doing too much work, you know, for the future as well. So from what I can see from Kevin Martin is that, like, he sacked his fitness coach after the Waterford match. So he had a fitness coach called uh, David O'Hare and they got hammered by Waterford by 27 points and he's the actual strength and conditioning um, coach employed by the county board. So he actually got rid of him after the Waterford game and he got, he started training the team himself. So, like, I mean, he blamed fitness as a reason for one loss. Um, he blamed the commitment of the players for a loss after Leash. Um, and he doesn't ever seem to get any criticism himself. Seems to be untouchable based on a couple of good results last year in the early rounds of the league. Well, the first thing, my own opinion, is the book talks to the manager. And, I, and, and that's my own opinion, and that's regarding in business as well, right? So he has to take a bit of responsibility for himself. Just to say, you're on about Joe Bergen and um, and Shane Dooley. To be fair, off these, <clears throat> these resources are so, so small that even to lose them two players out of any forward line, in particular with Offley, is a huge loss. And Shane Dooley is a free taker, right, with the record score. So that's an awful loss, right? Regarding the fitness uh, coach being fired, I often wonder on that situation, was it the county board that maybe fired him? And uh, Kevin Martin had to go through the job and tell them that uh, they don't want him anymore because they can't see any results and they're not going to pay him anymore. Yeah, so no, that, the, 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 no, no, that, that, the, Kevin Martin got rid of the fella. He's still employed by the county board. He's just not working with the senior hurlers. So that was, he, that was him. And did he, and did the question, did the county board get him 
for Kevin Martin, I wonder, or did for example, Kevin Martin recruit himself? He is because the strength and conditioning coach for the county board, Damien. He is the Offaly strength and conditioning coach. He uh, he yeah. does the strength and conditioning and the fitness for all Offaly teams. Oh, for all Offaly teams. Okay, right. Okay, well, maybe Kevin Martin said to go on. But uh, as you said, uh, him just firing the, co- the strength and conditioning coach. Didn't, but uh, I just think it's irrelevant uh, to, in regard, Colin, there's, he's... Offaly are just in a very, very low place at the moment and there's going to be a long time before this green light there again and uh, I don't see them having any progression this year again. They're they're so behind, it's unbelievable. Really, really, really poor quality of hurling. Even, even some hurling up there, like it's still all the older um, stalwarts are still uh, taking the headlines, you know, but maybe it's a better question for Brian Carroll's answer, we'll say, but... Uh, off you're in a very very poor place Brian Gavin former referee said something that I thought was was fairly shocking really he said the whole culture has been challenged by the manager and has backfired on him there's a culture there with seven or eight players some of them are with the county in January February and March to get themselves right for the club have you ever heard anything like that? never no, I did. I, I never. They. I know there was you rivalry and, and all that in Galway club hurling, but I don't think any uh, club players ever refused to play for Galway. You know, they used to say that the competition in Galway club hurling used to affect the the county squad, but never once was it a case that the uh, hurler refused to play for for Galway. You know, all, all over the years that I was involved, but I've never heard that. But I know that they do take fierce pride in their Offaly club hurling, but like. I know, I, I do know there's certain players that are good enough to play county hurling off and they just don't bother going in because they're saying what's the point. So they, they just stick with the clubs. But it's, it's unbelievable. It's just, but as I said, Offaly is in a really, really low place and it's, it's disappointing because I have a lot of friends that hurl club hurling as well in Offaly and it's just, it's disappointing because they, they had great years with them. It was Offaly in the 90s and uh, as I said, Offaly hurling is extremely poor and is a poor place. So he has a fella called Dave Matthews. He's a former Olympian. So he's come into the backroom team now. So he's a fitness trainer. So he, he's been doing it himself since O'Hare went. And now he has Dave Matthews, who's an Olympian runner. So he wants to obviously get them fit. I, I, sometimes I, I think, well, obviously this Dave Matthews coming in in the middle of the league, he's not going to be able to make any impact really now, is he? Because, like, I mean, the, the league game's coming every Sunday. So you're not going to be doing too much training um, during the week, during those games, are you? Like, I mean, maybe on the Tuesday night you might do a bit of fitness work. Yeah, you're going to do a bit of fitness work and start running them. But as you said, then the lads' legs are going to be very heavy for the weekend yeah. if he wants to start winning matches, you know, which probably is a very important thing as well to try gain confidence and all that. But as you said, it seems to be uh, Kevin Martin isn't happy with the player's fitness. So he's, he's after bringing in this guy to maybe just run them a bit. But um, it's... Uh, I think it's it's. I I said this there a few minutes ago. I, they're just in such a poor place. I don't know. I don't know where they want to make ground. Uh, I really don't want to. Do you think that's an excuse uh, though? Fitness. Like I think some managers hide uh, behind fitness. Like I mean, it's not hard to get a team aerobically fit. Like it it isn't. Mikko used to send us for twenty laps and it got us fit. We were flying it. How can someone not have an intercounty team fit? For me, for me, that's an excuse from a manager. It is, it is an excuse, but also it's physically conditioning. I think a lot of it is completely overrated. In regard, not 
not the gym work of it, but the whole running. And they, it's all about science now, but if you want to get a team fit, you'll get a team fit, no problem, by running them. As you said, Mikko used to make you do 20 laps. So, like, you'll build up your fitness. But, yeah, it is an excuse. But, Colin, you have to remember, Offaly don't have the hurlers at the moment. They need to start from scratch. They need to start back at the real underage levels again and start putting players up and start doing development squads. Offaly aren't anywhere close to even competing in Leinster. They're, they're, they're genuinely not like, you know, so no, like but, fitness, it, it is an excuse and they, they have to deal with it, but they're, they're just not anywhere close to competing and it, it's disappointing for them. But And I don't want to be on them or, or be hard on them, but they're just not anywhere close to, like you said, there's, what you say, nine roughly top uh, hurling counties, like they'd probably be the number nine, would they? Or ten? They'd probably be the, the t- number ten, yeah, but like they're nowhere near that now. They could, they, they have, they have a very serious chance of going down to division, um, 2A next year like I mean their their county board chairman and if that happens if that happens then how you know if there's some players that won't go in with the county squad at the moment and they do go down to division 2 you know and, uh, like what's the chance of them going hurling division 2 then and then just say for example if the likes of the Shane Dooley's and the Joe Borgans well you know in particular Shane Dooley just said you know I've had enough of it now you know I'm not going to bother going back hurling like it's another quality player gone and who are they going to replace him with yeah, there looks to be no one to replace it because, to be fair, like Leash have fourteen fellas that haven't gone in to the Leash squad, and for different reasons, for not wanting to commit, for in with injuries, they're without about fourteen, and they're in a quarter final against Limerick on Saturday night. So, like, I mean, I don't really think injuries and these things can can be an excuse when you see Leash able to get results like that. Like, I mean, Kevin Martin questioned his own players' commitment after the Leash game. Um, when they were competing well in the first half, then Leash scored something crazy like 2-7 without reply. And again, instead of taking the blame or taking any responsibility for it, he said the players have to ask questions about their commitment there tonight, whether they gave everything or not. I d- I d- yeah. d- the only thing is, you see, we were all... Kevin Martin obviously did very well last year and they did well in a league quarterfinal against Kerry, beat Dublin, um, started out the Leinster Championship well and then faded off badly. It's just I find some of the big critics in Offaly, like Dottie Regan and Michael Dignan, the the higher profile ones they're obviously very pally with Kevin Martin so it looks to me like Kevin Martin is getting a complete free ride this year yeah well you're, you're right there I would agree with you there with likes of Mighty Dynan that he, he would be friendly with uh, Kevin Martin so like, if he's going to be a pundit he should just be a pundit you know as I just say leave a friendship out of us and if you want to talk hurling talk hurling but like I often wonder how these guys likes the Dahi Regan and the likes of Mighty Dynan you know they have so much to say about us why they don't just uh, throw in their anchor there and give them a hand you know, and, and maybe say, do you need a hand here? Or, or do we put our name into the hat and say, we'll do something for Offaly Hurling. But as I said, Offaly Hurling is just really poor at the moment. And it's disappointing for for everyone that's involved. On their- yeah, exactly. They're in the uh, Joe McDonough Cup, obviously their favourites for that. And like, I mean, if they don't win that, they're not back into the Leinster Championship next year. So that's going to be a disaster and, for them as well. And you'd, be, and you'd be wondering, Colin, is Kevin Martin a bit afraid that they won't finish? Do you know what it is? this why he's getting new trainers there and that he's, he's afraid that, for example, that they won't win it and that would, put, that, that would be an absolute disaster. Then for Offaly Hurling. You know, yeah. I think there's a bit of pressure on Kevin Martin coming, coming to the next couple of months. There's absolutely pressure on him. There's absolutely, yeah. pre- there's no doubt there's pressure on him. They could lose to Carlo um, this weekend and be in two-way, which is humiliating really for, for Offaly. Their county board chairman um, is on record for saying Tommy Byrne he says if we go out of that 1B division you don't want to think of the consequences the consequences will be terrible for Offaly Hurling so to be back down playing against Mead Antrim Mayo and London 
next year. So in Tipperary, Chiefs uh, were forced to can- cancel a recruitment course for new referees in Turles last night. We were talking about this on the football show, Damien. I want to get your thoughts on it. Only three people signed up to the module. Um, it's run by the County Board Referees Admin- Administration um, down there. And County Board Chairman John Devan said, we just hadn't the numbers. It's an ongoing problem here and across the country, I imagine. The number of referees coming through or lack of them is always going to be a concern. And this comes on the back of a couple of years ago, Claire and Limerick said that their numbers were close to crisis point, their referee numbers, and similar sentiment uh, from Leash and Kerry as well. So, like, I mean, I don't know what it's like in Galway or is there any issues in Galway or... Like I was talking on Monday about how difficult that job is and I had an intermediate match in the snow the other morning and the referee landed in just a jersey and he must have been absolutely freezing, getting 20 quid from both teams, 40 in total. And why would anybody be bothered? Yeah, well, that's exactly it. Why would you be bothered being a referee? And sometimes I do wonder why do lads want to become referees? But in Galway, no, thankfully there is lots of referees in Galway. What they try to do in Galway is They've asked every club to nominate a, a person to go forward as a referee, right? Um, so th- that's what they try to do. Now, uh, we, we had a match there. It was one of the very first times that this happened. We had a league match. And there's a new young referee from Tom Darkins. And I, it was the first time this happened in a long time. He arrived with four umpires. You know, and there's kind of a nine is that when, you know, especially in league games right, like that, you get a referee and he's no umpires in Nixon. You have an umpire from the opposition team and you have an umpire from the home team and then you have no alignment. But no, thankfully in Galway, um, the, the refereeing isn't too bad there. But the whole thing is like, there isn't enough over for a referee either. Um, Colin, like you said, getting 20 euros, it's not, it's not enough and all he's getting is abuse. Refereeing in GA is completely different to refereeing in the whole rugby world. You know, even the club rugby, there's a whole respect there, you know, and you don't give backlip to a referee that's playing, that's refereeing a rugby match. Where in, in the GA, you can absolutely abuse a referee to the extent where, like, there's nothing done about it. You know, so, like, I don't know why you'd want to be a referee. Yeah. Nobody seems to want to be one. Like, I mean, you'd love to see an ex-player, inter-county player or two go into it. Maybe, you know, I, I, if, if what my... What happens g- is sometimes there's a saying, sometimes they're saying is that lads that get into refereeing are lads that have very poor careers themselves yeah. or, weren't able to, or weren't able to do it. Now, I don't want to be disrespectful towards any referees, but as you said, there's very few referees that are coming from Joe saying he was a, he was a fine club hurler or he was a right good county hurler, but sometimes a lot of them are just players that didn't make it at their own level and wanted to make it and just to continue on maybe to have a, some of them some of them didn't want to do it as a power trip like that but as you said not too many actual that's played at a high level want to get into refereeing you know and uh, you can't you can't blame them you can't blame them I can only imagine if Portleash sent that letter around to all members like and I got it I, I would turn my nose up at it but like I mean it's not, it's not an attractive thing it's probably not an attractive thing for ex-inter-county players to start off at the very lowest level of refereeing you know what I mean and maybe have to referee underage yeah. games like it's, it's I'm sure for referees it's a long it's a long trek from the bottom to an all Ireland final for example whereas maybe no, if, if ex-players if ex-players wanted to get involved maybe they could be fast-tracked maybe in some way yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, kind of recruited or know a lad that would have been well-respected and maybe might have a small bit of interest and would do it. But, but as you said, uh, like if you start off 
at being a referee, how long will it take you to start getting into refereeing games um, at a very, very top level, you know, and uh, then what happens is in county boards, they then nominate maybe one referee from their county to go maybe referee matches for inter-county. So what happens is you, you start refereeing inter-county games or you might be assigned to the Christie Ring or, or the Joe McDonough Cup or whatever else it is. And that, that's kind of how it starts off. But uh, it's a terrible job and it's not easy being a referee in, in the gay circles because uh, the backlipping that goes to referee and the abuse going towards is unbelievable in comparison to rugby. And I think that's something that, you know, the GA needs to start looking in at. Like, if Grand being sent off, you can be sent off for hitting the dirty challenge, but not in front of you for probably abusing a referee, which I think is all wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. You played a bit of rugby, did you, for Nina at, at mm-hmm. one time? So, like, I mean, they don't say anything when a decision is given against them in rugby. You were a winger, yeah, were you? Yeah, I, I used to play uh, scrum half and I used to play winger uh, for the Nina rugby team. I we played, I played with Ivan Muldoon and John Muldoon, so I did. We won an All-Ireland under-18 uh, rugby medal back in the year uh, 2000. But it's just completely different, Colin. Like you're playing the game of rugby, you know, and it's it's a game I love. You know, uh, it's a huge team sport, and as the saying is, all students are able to play in it. You know, and but a decision is made, and whether the referee is wrong or not, you just accept the decision and you just reverse back. You know, but where in hurling, if a decision is made, like the certain players, and the man would argue with his left hand. You know, no matter what decision has been made by the referee, and uh, it's it's not easy being a referee. That's the first thing. It's not easy being a referee. But I think the whole abusive and verbal has to be taken out of the GA, whether it's hurling or football, because gee, sometimes referees get an awful like, and and there'll be persons who know that they make a mistake, but it happens every day. Like, you're, I bet you there are people listening to this show and they're going to just how many lads say inside the dressing room, lads, we won't stand to referee now. We'll be we'll be very um. Uh, we, we'll um, have respect for them and uh, we'll be disciplined today but next thing you go out after 10 minutes there's lads mouthing at the referee and like that it's, just, it's all wrong to that extent yeah no definitely so there's a whole culture needs to change right we'll leave it there Damien we'll be back with some Paddy Power predictions a lot of people do say what do you love about hunting they do say. Uh, is, it, is it the fresh air is it the great outdoors is it the thrill no I just love killing things. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Okay, Paddy Power predictions. The big one this weekend, um, Damien, we're expecting quarterfinals, all quarterfinals this this weekend, but we only have one. So it's Leash versus Limerick in Amore Park on Saturday night. It's at seven o'clock. It's on TG Cahar. Um, I'm going to go to this one. Well, weather dependent. Because uh, this is a big deal for the likes of Leash to make a quarter final. The All Ireland champions come into town. It's fantastic. I remember 2014. Um, Leash played Clare in the in the league quarter final and ran them very close. I think it was three or four points. Um, in the end, Cheddar was manager of that one. But Eddie Brennan's been talking about trying to get uh, the crowd to show up. He says this is an opportunity for parents to bring their kids. Now, obviously, supporting their own guys, but they get to see the All Ireland champions come into town. From a Graham's promotion point of view, it's a very attractive tie and you'd be saying for the local juvenile board in Leash, this is an opportunity for them to get kids into matches and promote the game a bit. If there's not, uh, if 
this game should be like the Women's All-Ireland final where you have a whole lot of school children screaming and screeching and get a good atmosphere into Moore Park. And if there's not, you'd be very disappointed in the Leash County Board from a promotional point of view for Leash as one of the weaker counties to have the All-Ireland champions come to their home ground in a league quarter final. Like it, it, it just does not get any better than that for a county like Leash. I absolutely couldn't agree more to Con. I could not agree more to and it's up to the Leash County Board to really kind of promote this game, you know, and what you should probably you know, if they wanted to really make an incentive, they should go to all the schools and maybe give free admission to all the children under we'll say twelve or fourteen years of age, which will kind of make them go back home and say to their parents that we can go and start getting them to wear the Leash jersey and it's an opportunity for them players then again as well to also go out, right? and get autographs from the Kyle Hayes, from all these sort of lads, you know, uh, Keen Lynch's, these lads as well, as getting autographs from the Leash Hurlers. So they need to promote it. It's a great, it's a great game as well for, for Leash as well, you know, for their own development to see where they're at and come into the championship. You know, uh, I would expect Limerick to win it, right? But um, Leash being in Leash uh, on home turf, I do expect him to be right up for this game and get off the mark uh, really quick and put in a massive performance uh, for Eddie Brennan. But um, it's a huge opportunity to promote the hurling in leash. But like, and I, I can see what Eddie Brennan is trying to do. He's he's saying that it's an opportunity for the the people to come support uh, the leash hurling team. But if he doesn't have the the supporters behind the team, you know. It's it's not going the way he wants it to go. So he's a huge opportunity. So hopefully there will be a good crowd down there uh, Saturday night. Yeah, no, definitely. Let, let fingers crossed that there will. Limerick are an interesting one. Whether they they they're they're kind of feeding fellas in to the starting fifteen, giving them chances. Uh, Tom Condon is only one of four players who've started every league game along with Nicky Quaid and Sean Finn and Richie English. All the full back line and the goalkeeper have. Uh, have played every played every game. Everywhere else he's been he's been alternating. Four more, Darrow Donovan, Garod Hegarty, Tom Morrissey and Peter Casey have been involved in every game. Haven't started everyone but have been involved. So he's a squad of forty two. Uh, twenty eight have got game time. So like I mean, this is the this is the the annual problem with all Ireland champions. Who has put their hand up from Limerick? We, see, we knew last year Limerick had a brilliant squad. We knew last year that the five players that come on will all impact the game and will all have a big shout. Who has put their hand up to say, I'm going to crack into that uh, All-Ireland winning team. I'm going to get a start on that team. And who would have to drop out of it? Like Graham Mulcahy has been used most sparingly. Peter Casey potentially... Looks like he could get in for him, but Graham McCahey was a potential player of the year. Like, is he just looking after him? Yeah. But it, it's very obvious that Galway didn't do it last year. Like, you look at, I keep saying stuff like this, is Jim Gavin will always bring two or three lads. He's ruthless. He doesn't care if you won him in All-Ireland. He needs to change things up and keep lads under toes so lads just go out of the team. And to me, I'm wondering, will John Kiley just fall into that trap every team does every year? and pick that same starting 15 that won him the All-Ireland. Yeah, well, Kylie, and as you said, he's been trying out players, 28 players are after saying he's after trying out. So, like, uh, I would say the likes of Peter Casey is probably the strongest. Um, and Tom Condon, Tom Condon as well, yeah, but Mike yeah, Casey be yeah, back. Tom, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? But he's just, all he's doing is he's building a squad there, you know, right? But it happened to Tipperary, and you'd be saying it whole wouldn't happen to Limerick, where they thought they had too many hurlers. When, Limerick, when Tipperary won the All-Ireland three or four years ago, I think they thought they had too many players and too many on the squad. They could put in many, as many players as they wanted to. 
at certain times. But uh, I don't think Keith All Ireland winning team will change much this year to, to the dims from last year, you know, because they're all so so young um column. Yeah. You know, they're they're not an old team and they're all but as I said, there is a lot of players putting their hand up there with uh, Limerick and put, pushing themselves places and it's mentally unbelievably comp- competitive down there this year even in comparison to last year uh, because they all want to be on the team especially or even be pushing for the five subsequent places but uh, I just think John Kiley is a, is a very good manager so he does, and I think he runs the ship very very good so he does so um, uh, I think Limerick Limerick will be very very strong again this year so they will but uh, he just look, he's just trying out players and he's resting some players at times as well so you so um, but I don't think the team will change an awful lot being honest and do you think that's a mistake? well he, he goes to his strongest team uh, column yeah. you know and I know you're saying Jim Gavin always uh, throws in one or two players every every year during this but like Jim Gavin is such a squad of players yeah but so do Limerick so do, so do Limerick sometimes you just have to do that because then it makes players realise I'm not comfortable here I completely agree with what you're saying in, in some players, but I don't believe the Limerick has much better than what they had last year. Th- that's my own opinion. So, like you mentioned, Graham Kai, Graham Kai, as you said, was was up there maybe for hundred years. He and he was the one that got that winning score for Limerick in last year's All Ireland, along with the goal. But I just don't think it'll change an awful, an awful, awful lot. I, I really don't. So I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I agree. I don't see it changing. But are we going to be looking at the end of this year, saying like at the end of Galway's year, like at the end of Tipperary's year, and every county who tried to do that, except for Kilkenny, can't seem to retain it because he, he's trying. To, he's trying to find a few players and to see who's going to step up to the mark. As, as you said, he used twenty-eight players, but uh, I I still think that the team that's there will be the bones. But maybe maybe one player might go in and out or whatever. But it will be the bones of the team again. Yeah. Okay. So the big the other big game at the weekend is obviously that relegation playoff. So uh, by leash, according to Paddy Power, ten to one to beat um, Limerick. Limerick are one to twenty-five. So you couldn't argue too much with those odds. This one's a little bit closer. Offaly against Carlo. Offaly are four to seven favourites. Now. Uh, Carlo are seven to four. Those odds have changed a lot based off Offaly beating Carlo in Carlo last weekend on an absolutely horrible day for hurling. They got four goals and eight points or something to one ten. So it was obviously competitive. Offaly got the goals. Joe Bergen and Shane Dooley um, got them. So now they're favourites to beat Offaly in O'Connor Park. Maybe rightly so. Or sorry, favourites to beat Carlo in O'Connor Park. Maybe rightly so. But like I mean, Carlo have had such a good league. I wouldn't be so sure of it. Yeah, you you couldn't guarantee that result, but because it's Offaly's home game, and seventy percent, seventy five percent of home games have become victories, right? Uh, I would say that Offaly should win this game, even though Carlo has been very, very competitive, and they've shown huge improvement uh, over the season. But I think Offaly need need to win this game, and uh, and they should be winning this game. But it's uh, if you were a betting man, you couldn't guarantee it. Yeah, or Offaly or Carlo, unfortunately, other teams' fitness levels are just catching up on theirs, whereas they can hit that first league game like a championship game and then the second one like a championship game. Then the teams they're playing against, you know, might have two months. They might be starting a little bit later in the year than Carlo, whereas Carlo, it's all about the league for them. And now... Absolutely, yeah. yeah and they're picking from such a small, small squad of players as well, um, column as well they, they come out of the blocks thundering sort of do and as uh, the season goes along but they have made huge strides under uh, Conor Bonner so they have and um, you know it's good to see as well but 
I just think uh, Ockley should be winning this game, sort of, especially with it being on in Tullamore. And uh, possibly, me, it would, it would, this game means a lot more to Ockley than to Carlo. They need to start getting wins. Yeah, no, definitely. So the Division 2A final, Westmead and Kerry. Westmead are 5-6, to six, Kerry are 6-5. to five. This is very close. Westmead have beaten Kerry away in the first round. Kerry manager Fintan O'Connor, we had him on the show last, last year and he was a really good interviewee. He had a quote there during the week I thought it was interesting. He said, I love being involved with teams. It's nice and I suppose I'm nearly obsessive. In my involvement, I nearly love it so much I'd be afraid that sometimes it bugs... The, I, sometimes the, um, I bug the lads about it. Sometimes I think it's nearly better for me to be involved in two teams so I can split my obsessiveness. So it was nice to be involved with WIT and the Fitzgibbon. <laughs> like, I mean, I can only imagine Fintan O'Connor tormenting the lads, ringing them up outside of training and... Uh, and telling them what they're doing and what they what what they're not doing just to get this off his chest. Yeah, I know, and I know exactly what he means by that. You can you can be over obsessive about certain things and maybe too enthusiastic, you know. So he's probably saying he's splitting his two teams, so he's not annoying uh, one bunch of players uh, as much as others. But uh, what drives me crack, Colin, with all this all this is these WhatsApp groups, and you're sending text messages there. Telling lads trains on the thumbs up and the thumbs down, and uh, and you're giving ideas and telling lads what day they're training and all that. But I, I know exactly what that man means by um, saying uh, being uh, over obsessive and all that sort of stuff. But um, in fairness, he's doing a good job down with Kerry and he's improving them and he's and he's keeping hurling alive down there. So and he loves his hurling and he, as you said, he was at Watford, so he's doing a good job and he seems like a good lad. Yeah, the two B final is Derry and Wicklow. Derry are favourites eight to eleven. Wicklow are eleven to eight. Wicklow beat Derry in the last round of the league. Derry were already through, so Wicklow beat them up in Derry. So I think a little bit of silly beggars might have been going on. Yeah, um, yeah I think Derry. I think Derry will win that game. Yeah, Derry. Derry are moving uh, pretty well um, this year. So, like, I mean, the, the other two uh, finals. Obviously, we mentioned them at the start of the show: Roscommon Armagh and Sligo Longford. Um, are on as well. Did you go? You hardly went down to Walsh Park last year, last week, and had to turn around with your tail between your legs, come home after being called off with an hour to go. No, definitely not. I didn't. You didn't. The weather was very bad in Portumna uh, last weekend. Like you were nearly, you had nearly had a fair idea that the game was going to be called off. Like the weather in Portumna, for example, there was snow and sleet, and by five o'clock that even the all the fields. Uh, we're all covered in sneet and slow so the so the the weather was actually very, very bad. Yeah. It was. So um was, was there many given was there many given out about had, it in Galway that they travelled down and, and got oh, let down? There was, there, was, there, was, there was a good few that gave out about it and there was a good few that went down as well. But uh my, my argument here in this column is if they had the three G pitches, if every county had a three G pitch that game would have been able to be played. You know, and I think that that's going forward like uh, uh I just think every county should have a 3D all astro uh, astroturf pitch, and um, I just think it's a way forward. It's a way forward for games to go ahead, you know. And um, uh, I just think it'd be no harm. So if that game, if they had a 3D pitch, that game would have went ahead. I know the weather would have been bad, but there'd be no excuses. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't really matter. Both this Waterford Galway match is even money. Um, it doesn't matter who wins it really, because I don't think Waterford or Galway would care who to play in. You know, yeah, I think it will mean more. I think it will mean more to Waterford though. I think they need to start, um, you know, getting wins really under their belt, and uh, especially under the new management. So, and I think they'll want to win that game at home, especially. So, I, I, I think it will be a good game, Ireland, the uh, Galway Waterford game, and. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, once again it's another stepping stone towards championship. So I I, I think that's actually going to be a good game, Harlan. 
We the other two games obviously are Wexford Kilkenny in Wexford Park and Cork Tipperary. We previewed all them last Thursday um, with Cheddar anyway, so I'm not going to go back into them again. Just listen to last week's podcast, and I don't think too much has changed in the week anyway. Um, so that's that. Listen, that's all we've time for today. So we got you a show anyway, despite all our bad luck. So we'll be back on Monday. We'll review all the weekend's action, and we'll talk to you then. Good luck. When I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of for today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.